What would you do with your life if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed, what would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of global Swedish design and inspiration brand Dream Life and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people like you to chase your own dream life, whatever that means for you. Many years ago, I wrote down a dream on paper that would one day bring Swedish design to the world and create beautiful, inspiring and meaningful products that would bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to leverage everything I've learned to help you dream big and to create a global movement to inspire 101 million people to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode will dive deep into the power of dreaming and share real insights and practical ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. Hi there. Happy, happy new year. I am so excited about this year and I hope you are too. Today's episode is a perfect one for the new year as most of us need some life admin hack to make our dream life run a bit smoother. As you may know, in my Dream Life Coaching Program in January, we take four whole sessions out to plan this year and I just can't wait As you know, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. So we will do lots of planning to get clear on what's important to us in 2023. Today's podcast guests are two lovely ladies who are experts in making the life admin task in our life run smoothly. Mia Northrop and Dinah Rowe Roberts are two working mothers who have put their professional expertise in innovation, finance, design thinking and operations to research best practices, trial the tech and craft the most efficient processes to optimize their own life admin. The result? No more overwhelm, way more spare time and thousands of dollars saved. So if that sounds inspiring to you, we are going to learn all about it. So let's get right into it. Welcome Dinah and Mia to my podcast. I am so excited to have you. We are so thrilled to be here, Christina. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, there is going to be so much to talk about today. I loved your book and I have given it to a few friends and one friend who loves Amy, loves um, admin and she she said her heart got um, faster, beating faster when she heard the title. (laughs) So first, congratulations on a brilliant book and I'm super excited to share with our listeners today what uh, they can get out of reading your books. We'll obviously link to that. But um, before we get started, we have listeners from all over the world, which always blows my mind. So they might not know of you yet. So maybe you can just share how how your business and the life admin came about. Sure, I'll kick it off. So Dinah and I are old high school friends. We've known each other for a very long time. We've both had very busy careers. We've had kids. We had a weekend away a couple of years ago, a girls' weekend with a few other old friends. And the wine comes out, we're eating the cheese, we're having the chats, you know, how these things go. And we start talking about life and what was working, what was not working. And the topic of life admin came up and we both realised we're all drowning in it. We were drowning in life admin and we were talking about how we felt like we didn't have any systems, it was stressing us out, we were worried about our to-do lists. We were worried about the fact that things weren't very equitably shared in our household and that we seemed to be carrying the bulk of life admin responsibility. And we kind of, you know, it's a Friday night, we sort of laughed about it, drank more wine and and moved on. But the idea kind of stuck with us. And the next day, Diane and I started talking about, has anyone solved this? Are there just, are there books that we haven't read or are there apps that we need? And we started to research it and realised there wasn't really anybody addressing this people talking about the problem, but nobody actually come up with systems or frameworks or some methodical way to tackle life admin. 
or even define it. So that was the sort of a first step for us. It's like, well, is life admin housework? And we sort of determined that it's very much the homework of life. It's the paperwork, it's the, the planning and the anticipating, keeping chaos at bay. So we thought, look, we've got professional expertise in user experience design and innovation and strategy and operations. Let it, let's pull this professional expertise and try and solve it, not just for ourselves, but for everyone out there who feels like they are spending too much time doing life admin, would like to approach it in a more methodical way. And again, we realized that this is mostly women. It's mostly the women that we talk to in our lives that were feeling like this was a huge burden. And so we really wanted to free women up from this responsibility so they had more time to do the more fun things in life, to have more time to do what was meaningful to them, whether it was putting more time into their career or their lifestyle, their leisure, their families, whatever it might be. So they're spending less time doing life admin. Hmm. I love that. And I often say that sometimes you need to be a full-time mom at home just to go through all their school admin. I have this kind of real love and hate when it comes to all things admin. I love planning, absolutely love planning. And um, I love when um, I get everything done, like this real dopamine hit that uh, you get when you you do something that you'd be procrastinating. And it's often really these really small things. But I find those small things actually much more overwhelming than than like starting a business, <laughs> like a big picture, than actually changing passwords. So although uh, technology and systems are amazing, it's just endless. So for anyone listening today that may feel a bit similar and a little bit overwhelmed with this kind of thing, where do we start? Well, I think, Christina, the interesting thing to think about is really what's important to you right now in your time of your life. And we think about the payoffs uh, about life admin in sort of three broad areas around saving time, saving money and peace of mind. And I think that usually one of those resonates more with you depending on where you are and what your situation is. And so in our book, we spend a lot of, uh, we really point signposts to which areas will be, have the biggest payoffs um, when you think about those three areas. So I guess, I I think start where um, you're going to have the most meaningful impact on achieving things that are important to you. And I would also say that as we set out in the book, what we have found are there are five what we call life admin foundations that those are the things that have the biggest impact on on reducing your life admin and making everything easier. So if you're kind of not sure where to start, um, I really encourage you to think about starting and just getting those five foundations established because the rest of it, um, you know, will really fall. It may be much easier to implement if you've got those five areas uh, implemented. And I think, you know, you've, you've touched on some of this in your recent episodes where you're thinking about planning your year ahead. And there are some activities there which actually are aspects of life admin. So sitting down and thinking about, okay, my year ahead, what, what can I put in some dates of some inevitable, inevitable events or things that are going to happen? Uh, thinking about, you know, people I want to spend time with. That's part of sort of life admin planning your social life. If you think about your non-negotiables for the week, Again, these are things people might already be doing. So we would really encourage people to, to, to have a different sort of mental model and understand what life admin is because it covers things like streamlining your household, which might be the you know decluttering and meal planning. You might be already doing some of that. There's things around your personal affairs. There's things around comparison shopping and your social life. And these are sort of the bulk of, of life admin activities once you're able to think about it in those kinds of categories, you can then approach it in a methodical way. Mm. Also taking small steps, like take baby steps, just thinking I'm going to do a life admin makeover. That might be exciting and thrilling to some, but it might be really overwhelming to others. So you're thinking about what's my North Star? What's that big goal or that big dream that I'm working towards? Because that's what's going to motivate you to get your life admin under control. And to Dinah's point, it might be I want to free up more time, I'm looking to save money. I'm looking for more peace of mind or even household harmony because this, this area can cause a lot of friction in households when it's not shared equitably. So you might want to think about, okay, I need to rebalance who does what in the household because I am doing too much. So that also might be a big motivator. 
Yeah, absolutely makes complete sense. So part one of your book is about laying out those foundations. uh, And you say that these are game changers that will make the most impact uh, on both reducing life admin, but also making all their life admin tasks easier. It's funny how we often have all these sorted in our professional lives, so in our businesses or at work. So, um, so I would love for us to understand what the foundations are, where we can actually get started. Because if we if we start with that, then we can focus on all the other parts later. Yeah. So maybe we'll kick off, and maybe Mary and I can tag team through sure. these. That. Uh, the one that uh, Mia's already alluded to is having a calendar that is your single source of truth for, particularly for families, the place where um, you know what's going on in your household and it's shared within all the members of the family. So in my situation, that's my uh, my husband, but also my two teenage children, so that everyone knows what's going on in our family um, and they've got easy access to it. I think it's very easy for you to have a wall calendar, a work calendar, um, you know, maybe something on the fridge with a schedule, um, and that really can contribute to chaos. So we strongly recommend having a shared digital calendar that is the single source of truth for your family. And we also think uh, encourage you to think about um, setting aside in that calendar an hour of power every week or, you know, a regular hour of power um, to tackle um, the really chunky life admin tasks because what we find is that most people haven't set aside the time to do these things. Um, and they are inevitable. There is an amount of uh, life admin that is inevitable. So really thinking about um, setting aside that fixed hour within this calendar um, to make sure that you can have a set time to get those life admin tasks done. And that was a big change for both of us because we we did go from having, you know, paper wall calendars or things on our phones, things on our computers, different ones at work and consolidating that all to one source of truth and sharing it. Was, was really powerful just to give visibility to the activities that had to happen each week for your household to hum along, but also just to say, okay, you know, if someone invites you out on a certain night, a certain date, you're like, am I free that night? And you can just look quickly on your phone, see if you're actually free. It's like, yes, let's do it. As opposed to thinking, oh, I've got to go check. I don't know. I've got about four different sources that I need to reference to make that decision. Yeah, that makes completely sense so what are the other are there other foundations in that part yeah so the next one is a password manager and as you said before christina a lot of us have these kinds of things for work but we don't actually employ them in our personal lives and a password manager is something that's going to give you strong passwords so you can log in across the internet all day long with just using one master password so no more remembering things in your head no more writing passwords down in places that aren't particularly secure Uh, And this password manager will log you in, but it'll also fill in forms for you. And it's also a secure vault for you to put documents such as forms of ID, whether it's passport or a license number or various numbers that you need to fill out forms. So much of life admin is filling out various forms. And this lets you access that those IDs in a secure way and be able to fill out a form in five minutes instead of thinking, oh, I'll put that in the to-do pile and sort of procrastinating about it forever. But this was one of those surprising things that made a huge difference to our time uh, that we just didn't expect. We thought it's just a little app, you know, how is this going to be fundamental? But once you realise how many times a day you're actually drawing on it, uh, it's, it's been wonderfully liberating. And I think the ability to share passwords with other members of your family is the other game changer when it comes to household harmony. Because I think often if you're the keeper of the passwords, it means you're the keeper of all the admin. So if you can uh, liberate the passwords to the people who need them very easily, it means that you can much easier share the load within your household. Mm, Makes complicated. Yeah. And so for these passwords, we're talking about things like keeper or last pass, one password, not just the sort of the free password manager that comes with your browser, like, you know, your Chrome browser, that's not so secure. It's worth paying that small subscription each year to have that next level of safety and multi-factor authentication, which is when, you know, you go to log in and it either texts you or emails you to make sure it's really you and give you that real security um, across your digital footprint. Mm. 
Um, Sally, my friend who actually recommended the book to start with, she said that that made a massive difference to her. And I haven't actually got to that yet to change that. Uh, it's one of those ones that I think I will get to, <laughs> which I will. Um, it's part of January for me. But um, um, could you give some, I know you recommended a couple of apps there. Is, have you got a favorite? I use Keeper. Yeah. I use LastPass. Yeah. yeah, I use LastPass and I have the LastPass family subscription, which I'd highly recommend because then you can um, teach your children as they grow up. And the reality is from a very young age, many of our children have got their own devices, mm-hmm. but really teach them about secure password management from an early age and allow you, you know, to share amongst the family members. Oh, I manage my kids like screen time passcodes and the Nintendo thing and the Xbox thing. Like half of my passwords are for my kids already. So yeah, it's worthwhile having that available for the family. Yeah, for sure. The third foundational tool is around cloud storage and a dedicated life admin email address. So by cloud storage, we're talking about things like OneDrive or Google Drive or Dropbox, somewhere where you can save documents that everyone, again, in the family has access to. And we actually suggest a folder structure in our book uh, so you can store all of the various aspects of life, whether it's to do with your tax or to do with your kids' school reports or holiday plans or whatever it might be. Uh, And this helps you declutter your home, get rid of all that paper clutter and have something that's available everywhere on the go. So you can log into it at work, you can log into it on your phone or when you're out and about, wherever you need it. Uh, and again, is accessible by everybody in the family. And having a dedicated life admin email address means that you can have all the correspondence from organizations and companies go somewhere into a neutral space and get it out of your personal email address. So in my situation, I'm separated, uh, but my ex-husband and I have this life admin email address for the sort of family stuff. So all the communication from the kids' schools and soccer and netball and all that extracurricular stuff and things that we both need to be across as a sort of a family are in this cloud storage space so we all have access and it's sort of out of our personal realm. And the next uh, uh, foundation uh, is lists and I think all of us uh, can be guilty of having lots of different lists um, scattered over pieces of paper, you know, post-it notes, some on a, you know, on your phone and some on your computer and what we really recommend is Uh, locking in one or two apps that you use for your lists and thinking about your lists in in three types of lists. So um, having a to-do list, uh, which has your life admin tasks in an app that's easy for you to share with other members of your household, but also thinking about making sure that your to-do list is not confused with the two other types of lists. So there's checklists, which are a list that help you do recurring tasks efficiently. So think about like Um, preparing the house to leave on holiday and making sure, you know, you've emptied the fridge and uh, cancelled the newspaper delivery or all the things you need to do to make sure that leaving on holiday is a smooth process. Um, And we also um, think about reference lists, which I guess is important, particularly around, you know, collections of information that you want to refer to. So for me, I've got reference lists for podcasts I want to listen to, books I want to read, movies I want to watch. Um, But I also have reference lists of friends that I want to catch up with and restaurants I want to try. So those sort of useful information that I want to refer to over time. And so really having some list hygiene makes it much easier to be really clear about knowing what you've got to do um, when you, and whereas reference information is stored in a separate list that's easy to refer to. And I kind of feel like we're preaching to the choir here in terms of your extensive extensive experience creating different notepads and versions of ways. No, 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 no. I am always open for learning. But, you know, it's really interesting because I, because I know that there are a lot of paper lovers listening to this um, yes. podcast and a lot of people love paper diaries still, which, yes. you know, which is um, people love both, etc. So, so what I have done, and because I love paper as well, obviously, but I also love technology, um, I actually have the same filing system. So I, I have a, a list app as well that I use. So I just use notes um, on my mm-hmm. iPhone. But then I, I do that the same way as use my, my paper, because for me, paper, it's, it's, um, it's more the, um, 
the beautiful ritual that I have around, you know, uh, journaling and and thinking. And so, you know, if I go to, I often go uh, quarterly for my little own retreats. And then I like to use paper because I'm on technology so much. So, so I like to use both, but I actually have the same system in my paper as I have on my technology. So if I'm out for a walk, so this morning um, I was out for a walk and I was listening to your podcast and then I was like, oh, I, I, you know, I know questions for podcasts, etc. So I was like putting that in in my in my um, um, notes app when I was at mm-hmm. walking. Uh, so so I think you can combine it if there are anyone listening who feel like, oh no, I'm going to throw out all my paper. Uh, and I do know that you guys love a little bit of paper on the aura of, with well, your shopping yeah. list. <laughs> We're both massive stationary fans. Yeah, and, and I think this is a, an occasion where you need to know what works for you and what's going to be convenient. So like you, I have, um, I just use the reminders app on my phone. Yep. And what I love about that is that when I am out and about, I can just, you know, even if I'm driving the car, I can just say, hey, Siri, add this to my, add this to my, you know, 10 minute time killers list. We have one list for things that are sort of medium sized life admin tasks, which we call 10 minute time killers. And so Siri will just pop that on the list. But then there's certain kinds of things I'm doing or, you know, in my work where getting out a piece of paper and making a, a list and having that, you know, it's the same little dopamine here of checking off those things yeah. on is really satisfying. So picking what sort of fit for purpose for how you wanna how you wanna use it, where the where is the pain point for you? Like what's the friction? What would prevent you from creating a list and sticking to that list? Have a think about that and then you'll know what tool to use. Yeah, absolutely. And so the five the final point around game changing tools is budgeting. And this can fill some people with fear because they're like, oh, numbers, maths, not interested, too scary, too complicated, too boring. Some people, uh, by some people I mean Dinah, love this kind of thing. (laughs) The idea here is really just having a way to monitor your income and your expenses because that way if one of your goals around life admin is to save money, then you really know where you need to pull back. You know, where do you need to do comparison shopping and Maybe switch to a different provider for certain expenses. Um, where do you need to think about for grocery shopping, for example? What is what is the what is the budget looking like there? So find an app. Might be with your current bank if on their online banking, or you might find a specific app that just lets you monitor those categories of spending and decide. Okay, if I need to put more attention on scaling back here, or I need to find other sources of income because I you know, want to buy X, Y, and Z. Uh, and it also lets you decide, you know, once you're across your budget, whether there are some things you can outsource. So if there is a you know, trade-off between your time and how you'd like to be spending your money, like what you decide money is for, then again, you can make some good decisions because you know exactly what your money is doing. Yeah, love that. I love that. And I think a lot of people um, are just needing to take that kind of first step because um, if people think that that is a big or fear or and I, I think it is for a lot of people then just starting with getting your bank app is a good start so um, yeah. making those little small changes will make a massive difference that's it and so across these five tools we sort of this is all about setting up your environment once you've got these things set up then it really does make the other life admin tasks easier because you're either putting something in a calendar where you know you'll have access or you know you're setting up uh, cloud storage so you know we're going to file something when that email comes in with that pdf attachment you know exactly where it's going if tasks come your way you know what list you're putting it on you know where to find that task in the future and prioritize it uh, and you just sort of feel comfortable with the financial decisions that come along with life admin like you know i'm planning a kid's birthday party how much can we spend on presents and parties uh, or you're thinking about holidays coming up and you know what's the plan for the holidays and making those kinds of life admin decisions. But this is about setting up your environment for success to make you efficient with the other life admin tasks going forward. Love it, love it. So part two is all about streamlining the household. So let's start with decluttering because that is <laughs> a real passion of mine. Um, yeah. I, I'm actually moving house and... Um, when I say to people and you know this time of year when we're recording this is just before Christmas so moving in this kind of um, time we seem to do that all the time and I actually thrive on it because I love decluttering Um, it's not shared with uh, the rest of the family (laughs) and uh, a lot of people who um, 
who um, I say we, we're moving, they're like, this time of year, um, and they can't think of anything worse. So I would love for you to give some tips when it comes to decluttering, especially for those people who are not really sure where to start. And, and most of these people are probably more emotionally attached to things than I am. So I'll say I'm, I, I love, like, I have no problem throwing things out. So maybe we should start there. <laughs> and I think it's a really interesting one because there's obviously been a bit of a movement in recent years and, you know, really the kind of idea of decluttering, you know, with Marie Kondo and yeah. the home edit. And I think that sometimes people can get a bit confused with decluttering versus reorganising. And so mm. when we talk about decluttering, we're not talking about um, buying nice plastic containers and making or folding in a certain way. We're really talking about Um, getting rid of stuff so that it's so much easier to find things and to put things away. So um, it's really about um, reducing the amount of stuff you have so that that it makes it easier to run your household. And I I think it's probably Mia's favourite thing to do as well. So maybe she can give her top tips for how she gets it done. Yeah, and I think, you know, you touched on something important at the start there about your emotional attachment to belongings because I think to be successful at decluttering, you have to know yourself. You have to know, okay, is this a problem for me because I don't have a system? I'm not actually quite sure how to physically do it. Or do I actually just have a really high tolerance of clutter and I'm kind of clutter blind? And we know lots of couples where one person is like, I don't know, is this messy? It looks fine to me. And the other person's like, oh my God, it's driving me bonkers. It's just overwhelming. So some people have a different tolerance for clutter. Uh, Some people find decluttering thrilling and it sounds like Christina you and I are in that camp (laughs) people are filled with anxiety because they you know they might have a scarcity mindset or they might tend to be an overbuyer and they're actually comforted by the idea of having a lot of stuff Uh, and then there's people who are in a season of life where you know things get busy and it's really hard to stay on top of the influx of things into your home so I know at times when you know if I've just had a baby or I've started a new job or someone's been sick you just kind of, you know, you, you, you can't stay on top of it. So you get overwhelmed and it's worth taking a moment to think about, okay, where am I with that emotional attachment or that mindset or the ability? Because then you can think about a philosophy that's going to work for you. If it's about, okay, I want to be in peaceful, organized spaces because it just feels positive or I really want to promote environmental sustainability and upcycle and recycle and, you know, give stuff away via Facebook groups, the people who are going to need it. Like there's different motivations and tapping into that can help you decide, all right, how can I tackle it? And then really it's getting very practical about how you want to approach it. And I'm curious, Christina, with you, whether you're like, all right, this is the weekend. I'm going through every cupboard in the house. I'm just going to do it. Or whether you go like zone by zone, whether you decide there's sort of the, um, the number of items per day method where on day one, you get rid of one thing. Day two, you get rid of two things. There's lots of methods. What what approach do you take? You know, I'm a bit of a mixed up. So depending on what, so when I move, I'm all about everything all at once. Um, you know, when I say that, like room by room, but but not in specific themes. Um, so it depends on if I do like a minimalistic challenge, which you were, you were talking about, but I, I would try that. But I actually, because uh, I don't like clutter I I find those challenges difficult because I actually don't have a lot to throw out mm-hmm. uh, but saying that I often start it's just when it becomes like when you get to you know you need to do like 30 in one day and it's just it just gets um so much because I I feel like I um I I like to uh, declutter but saying that we are moving mm-hmm. to a smaller house uh, this time and um and uh, you know, Paul's mom passed away. There's just been a few things that, so we have extra things. Mm-hmm. So now I just really want to um, uh, go uh, room by room and just. And kids also are in a in a different. Um, you know, they are teenagers, and um, well, my 11 year old is not, but she doesn't play with the toys, etc. So mm-hmm. I think it depends a little bit on what what stage of life I've been so now I'm I've done two garage sales and no one else wants to do it in the family and I just like I thrive on it because I think you know I was like setting it up as if it was a shop (laughs) 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 so I just um like and I yeah so I I try different things uh, but um I just gone through so obviously I'm no longer part of Kiki K so I got rid of 
all my KKK and I had, so we have an office um, and I just, uh, first I was just going to give it all away. And then I realized mm-hmm. there are so, we have, we have done so many beautiful things over, you know, the 20 plus years. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I know that there are, I'm part of groups on Facebook called Kiki K addicts and Kiki K lovers and all sorts of different things. And uh, uh, so I just started to put it in there because people, they knew the, they knew the range names better than I did. They like, have you got this? And I'm like, oh, when we do that, that was like 15 years ago. So, um, so yeah, it depended a little bit on what where I'm at here in my life so I tried different methods and I think I tried everything but I think the Marie Kondo one mm. had the most impact on me because that's when I kind of went because with quotes I find like oh should I you know should I really throw that out it was expensive or I've hardly used it but when I did hers I I think I threw away like 70% of my wardrobe yeah yeah it's really important to find the method that resonates for you and is appropriate for what's happening so yeah if you are moving house there is that kind of imperative to really go through the whole house because you don't want to box up stuff that you don't intend to use. Yeah. People who are feeling overwhelmed, you know, you might just start with the bathroom where there's probably some unsentimental items in there that aren't too hard to get rid of. You might be, you know, one of those people that has four types of shampoo and three types of conditioner because you like all the different packaging and the smells and it's like, all right, time to let some of them go. Uh, Before you move on to items that might be more nostalgic um, or that might be given as gifts where you're like, oh, you know, there's a bit of an an emotional resonance there. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things that's really worked for our family is we kind of did a big clean out and now we sort of have the one in, one out rule. So it's almost like if you want to buy one thing, you kind of need to think about what you're going to let go so that, um, you know, it really makes that buying decision easier to think about what's it replacing or, or why do we need to add something else so that we can try and keep everything yeah. manageable. Yeah. The other two practical aspects are, are, one, you need a dedicated space in your house where you can put the stuff that you're going to give away. So you find a drawer or a cupboard and when you come across things that need to be rehomed, take it to that spot. Have a spot where you know that's going to go. The other practical thing is know who you're going to give it to. So Christina, you mentioned that you have like Facebook groups where you know people are looking for that stuff. I know in our area there is sort of zero waste groups, there are toy libraries, there are men's sheds, there are all sorts of places, you know, opportunity shops that you can take this stuff. So once you've decided, right, who are my beneficiaries going to be, then you've made that decision and you don't have to keep making it. When you know who it's going to, it's often easier to let it go. Yeah. And I have a box in the garage where, because I take a lot of things to St. Vincent around the corner. And um, and so I just have a box like that. Because often, you know, if you if you chip like a bowl or something in the kitchen that's completely usable for someone, but you know, might not want to keep it, um, I just put it straight in there just to always have. So it doesn't just, because otherwise it becomes like, what do I do with that? And then it just becomes almost like, oh, I'll just throw it because I don't have time to think about it. But I, I think having mm-hmm. systems like that is really good. Yeah. Or otherwise, sometimes people put it in the boot of their car or the trunk of their car, and then they just cluttered up their car and then drive around. <laughs> <in their cars. laughs> yeah, I think that final step is like the <clears throat> often the hardest one when you actually need to then take it. Like you've done the decisions, you you put it in the box, and then actually taking it to the place often seemed to me be like oh, I just want to get it out of the house as quick as possible. So <laughs> I, I like a little tip, a little trip um, to. Um, to give it away it was another thing when it comes to decluttering uh, something that I taught the kids from very early stage is to have a home for everything because there's nothing like I, I don't I don't I don't love spending time looking for things and especially not school uniform school uniform stuff or you know homework stuff so I've always said you know like you know if it's not in its home you have put it somewhere where it's not so then they have to look for it themselves <laughs> obviously I help sometimes but I think that that's really helped because they know you know if I find a pair of shoes in not in its home uh, I'll put it back in its home and then when they look for it it's most likely to be in its home so that's made a big difference even when the kids were little, really little yeah and, that, and that's a great point and it's it's one of the ways you can actually save money from decluttering because you can find the stuff you have. A lot of people realise when they're going through their belongings that they have things they didn't even realise they had or they have multiples of things because they couldn't find yeah. the original. So when every place, you know, everything has its place, it avoids that, um, that waste of 
money too. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Some great tips there. Thank you so much for sharing. Next up is meal planning and grocery shopping. And I love both. Um, <laughs> and as I said earlier, I was excited to listen to one of your podcasts saying that you both love a handwriting your shopping list. So I'll definitely need to send you some uh, new ones going forward. So we have just launched our magnet um, shopping list and meal planners beautifully designed in the Dream Life store. So I'm I'm going to gift you some of those. But anyway, um, please share some tips on how to meal plan and shop for to make it easier, but also to save money and not waste food. Yes, I think that probably this feels a bit like my superpower, doesn't it, Mia? I think that I've got my meal planning and grocery shopping down to a fine art. Mm. Um, And so I think one of the things I would suggest is the first thing is really to think about really understanding what's going on in your household. So if um, if you're going to plan over a week, really understand the schedule. And I guess this is where it comes back to those foundations we talked about earlier if you know you're going to be taking a child to sport practice on a certain night or, you know, someone's going to be working late or whatever, really sort of take into account the schedule before you think about what sorts of meals um, fit on what days. And that will also help inform who might be cooking on those days in terms of sharing the load within your household. So um, then it can help you design a menu that makes sense for both them, how much time you're going to have to prepare and, and eat the meal, but also who's going to be doing the cooking, maybe, um, you know, Um, I have my teenage kids contribute to the cooking. So I I try and make sure that the meal that they're allocated is something that's going to be easy for them to manage. So I guess that's first thing to do. Um, One of the other things that we really recommend is thinking about using categories to make decision making easier. So I think often it can feel quite um, overwhelming to sit in front of this blank meal plan that's got seven days on it and you kind of I can't think Um, so really thinking about can you allocate categories to certain days you know things like a taco Tuesday or roasts on Sunday or um, you know no meat Monday or any categories that make sense maybe it's cuisines or something but if you think about using categories it can help it be much easier deciding what you might want to eat on a certain day Um, and I think that my final tip would be um, Obviously, you also need to have this sort of grocery list that's on the go that everyone can easily add to. But finally, also thinking about adding into your calendar time to actually do the meal planning and the shopping, because the reality is it does take time. Um, the, The meal planning can get faster and faster as you get better at it, as can the grocery shopping. But if you have a a plan in your week when that's going to get done, um, you're much more likely to to get it done in a way that's convenient for you and your family. I'm a huge um, user of online grocery shopping. And, you know, now that I've got a few lists set up in my online grocery shopping apps, I can um, get that done in like under 10 minutes based on a meal plan and a grocery shop. And then, you know, I can take a nice stroll to our local fruit and veg shop and pick out my local produce, but in a much more enjoyable way than dashing around um, a brightly lit supermarket. So Mm -hmm. I've really honed my process to something that really works for me. I've diminished the parts of it that I don't enjoy um, and really um, make sure that I've got the time then to use it towards the parts that are enjoyable around um, you know, a local store and fresh produce. Mm. I love that. I do. I do something very similar because I. I don't. I for us actually to go to one of the big supermarkets um, is like almost like an excursion because I'm never there. <laughs> um, <laughs> like the kids are like, oh, can we go there? So it's like, and you know, most kids don't like that, but because we never go there, um, um, is a bit of an excursion. So yes, I can so relate to that. <clears throat> Sorry, Mia. Yeah, it's really interesting is the motivations behind meal planning because I don't actually mind going to the supermarket. I quite, I don't mind drifting around in the trolley and listening to the music. What I don't like that much is actually cooking and I find it really hard to think of interesting things to cook every night and it sort of fills me with panic. So what I really get out of meal planning is just having those categories and knowing, all right, Monday is quesadillas, Tuesday is tacos, Wednesday is pasta. And having that repertoire to work with with the kids, which are where I know what they like, we've got a few favourites that go onto the meal plan and then help me make that shopping list. And importantly, let me, let me do some bulk cooking because I don't like cooking that much. I prefer to go in and make up a massive batch of something uh, and then we can eat it, you know, for every Wednesday for the next month or whatever it might be. So that's what I really get out of it is some of those efficiencies around 
reducing the the panic of trying to dream up new things to eat all the time uh, and then actually reducing the amount of time I spent cooking. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And also I think most of us um, like to cook the same thing because of ease ease and speed. (laughs) So so, um, I often have like two... Uh, different meal plans that I kind of recycle. So I um, I might add something or remove something, but I it's very very similar um, uh, that what we eat. And then uh, I I love cookbooks, but I don't particularly uh, cook from them because I just I think being a creative person there's often beautiful photos and beautiful illustrations and stories etc um so I spend a lot of time looking in cookbooks but I don't cook but I, but I think um saying that I often get influenced by that and then I might try something but um often it's definitely the same and I think we don't have to for the everyday cooking we don't have to reinvent the wheel every week that's it there's sort of you can put quite a lot of pressure on yourself trying to think of beautifully variety you know, nutritional, exciting meals every day. And uh, I actually talked to a friend about this and where she grew up in, in Eastern Europe, dinner wasn't actually a big deal. They'd have their main meal at lunchtime. Yeah, same meal. Dinner, like sandwiches, it was really low key. Uh, depending on where you live, there can be a lot of pressure to just be producing these masterpieces every night and have endless variety. Whereas, uh, yeah, that's kind of a recent phenomenon. A lot of I people. think even if you love to cook, the reality is mm-hmm. unless you've got an enormous amount of time, you can't be expected to plate up a gourmet meal seven nights a week. So I think just being realistic about it and, you know, thinking about what's how much time you've got available and planning a meal plan around that, um, it really can take that pressure off and take that kind of, uh, you know, those feelings away. Um, and, you know, you can schedule in, in a fancy dinner for a Saturday night that you can pour over those recipe books. But, you know, re- the reality is for most of us, that's a it's not an everyday occurrence. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so the part three in the book is all about getting your affairs in order. And this is something that I think a lot of people um perhaps procrastinate when they're you know have young kids and there's a lot of things happening and but obviously very important things to do so where do we start here what, what do you find that's the most important to to get started with mm. so this is kind of the adulting section of the book <laughs> uh, you know you're an adult when you, you feel like you're all sort of with your tax and you've got a will and that's the kind of they're the sort of major topics we tackle here it's like Let's make that tax time streamlined. Make sure your tax records are all sorted and you can prepare your tax file quickly. Uh, this is where we tackle superannuation or, you know, preparing for your retirement fund, 401k, your workplace pension, whatever you might call it where you live. That really needs to be an annual activity. It's not something that you just sort of set and forget. You want to be making sure that as you switch between employers or different seasons of life, that you, your retirement fund is building and that you're, it's being invested in something that's growing towards giving you a comfortable retirement. So and there's also a, a chapter in there about getting your will in place. And for me, that was the thing that I realised when we wrote the book was, or as we were working through the podcast actually, that um, it had been on my mind for years and years and it was one of those nagging worries that kind of was in the back of my mind. So that also might help you decide where you want to start is if there's something that is that like that background worry. So for me, the relief of getting our will sorted was just immense. Um, and I didn't actually realise how much it was bothering me until we finally got it sorted. So, you know, that might also be a guide of where you should start is like what's the thing that's taking up your mind or your, you know, your worries um, in that getting it sorted will actually um, create that that benefit of that peace of mind. Mm. When I did the wheel many years ago, I think when, when you have kids, it's where that kind of really start nagging uh, <laughs> back of your mind. <clears throat> I remember going out for dinner and we did the wheel of the dinner and then straight away I just booked a holiday because I'm thinking it's just when you, and I do like an exercise with the people in in my community and in my courses and coaching uh, where you work out how long you have to live in terms of if you get lucky enough to live to whatever you think or want to live until and um and that there's just nothing like um doing those kind of uh, um 
um, exercises or doing the will that gets you into action to actually take action on all the things that you want to do not just so once the will is done then you'd be like gosh life is not going to go on forever and um, and you just take action on things that um, you perhaps have on your dream list that you haven't done yet yeah it can be an interesting exercise in terms of some people find it quite uncomfortable to have to think mm. about time and what would happen to their belongings or their family or their children but it can also inspire all sorts of reprioritization and just sort of have some clarity around you know that's that sort of end of life area and often with when you're putting together a will you'll put together things like powers of attorney uh, for your financial decision making or medical decision making or an advanced care directive which stipulates you know how you want your end of life care to look like and these can be very empowering empowering um, things to go through anyone who's had a family member where they've had to care for them through that period knows how stressful it is and how complex it can be if some of those documents aren't in place so it's it's worthwhile being proactive just to give yourself that peace of mind but also knowing it will help your family immeasurably if all of that sort of stuff is sorted out yeah or you're in the, in the, in the throes of a what could be a sad moment for sure and you know it's um uh, it's interesting and funny in some ways but um it's not a fun topic but it there's a book in sweden uh, i'm not sure if it's translated to english yet but it's mm. it's called death cleaning and um and i need to have the author on the podcast because i find it so interesting and it and it comes back to that decluttering where you so if you if you have a lot of clutter and you 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 things that you don't need and kids perhaps out of out of the uh, your house then to do a death clean in terms of so they don't have to do it um for you versus mm. you do it yourself which is a you know it's a it's a topic that is a bit confronting perhaps to talk on, on the podcast <laughs> but i do think that there is something in that so when mm. so when people pass away that you don't have to deal with all these like you know boxes and boxes of things that you don't really know what to do and you might feel guilty it's better if that person took that um that if they you know if they're lucky enough to live a long healthy life to be able to do it of course yeah Oh, that sounds really interesting. That book. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> we 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 laugh like um, with my sister. We laugh like let's have a death cleaning, um, uh, but uh, but you know in a in a light way. But obviously, um, a very serious topic when you think when you go deeper on it. But yeah, I um, I'll have to get that author on the podcast and see if we yeah. can learn something. And and we have got another chapter in that section around um, your health records, and I think that's another one mm. where um, often you don't have them in order when you need them the most. Yeah. And so it is kind of one of those areas where perhaps um, the motivation can come when you see what someone else might be going through if they have a health condition that means that they need, you know, lots of health records. So really thinking, I guess, the motivation there is about, um, you know, trying to have that, those systems and your, your doctors and health professionals in order so that if you do need them, um, at a time of stress, you can get to the information you need and the providers you need in a timely way. Yeah, absolutely. So getting to the end here, um, I, we could speak all day about this, but um, I just want to touch really quickly about getting the best deal. So in the book, you talk about um, how we should, you know, perhaps once a year or whatever time frame to really look at our bills, etc. And I have a feeling that most people don't do that. So maybe just give us a couple of tips on where to get started there. Yeah, and it's a really timely moment to be talking about this because, you know, most places across the world right now are looking at inflation, interest rates are going up, the cost of living is going up. And so this is a good time to look at your household expenses and some of those bigger bills and think about, could I actually be getting a better deal? So in the book, we go through you know, what it looks like to get a new home loan interest rate and negotiate a better rate for yourself. Or if you have health insurance or home and contents insurance, uh, you know these can be hundreds and hundreds of dollars in terms of premiums each month. So you want to make sure that you've got a competitive policy or a competitive plan uh, and are not spending more than you need to. And the same is for electricity and gas and internet and mobile and credit cards and all those big, big items. So Dana, let's tag team through how people can take, you know, go through and comparison shop these. 
Yeah, so I think the first thing you need to do is you need to make sure that you sort of take stock, that you actually understand what you've already got, because I think that often people don't know what they've got. So really dig out your plan that you've got and understand what you've got and, and think about also what would make you happy. So is it going to be um, saving $100, $1,000 or whatever, because if you don't really have a goalpost or is it just about making sure that the plan is best suited for you, um, if you set some goalposts up front, it's much easier to make a decision and sort of know when you've scored. Yeah. And the second is to set up a comparison table. So in the book and on our website, lifeadminlifehacks.com, we actually have templates so that you can compare you know, what you have now versus a couple of other competitors, a couple of providers. And we talk you through what criteria you need to look at. So if you're comparing a mobile phone plan, you know, you're probably going to focus on data. You might be looking at different types of calls and the rates for those different kinds of calls. If you're looking at something like your credit card, you might be looking at interest rates and the payment free period or whatever it might be. Uh, And so once you've got these criteria written down and you've written down what your current plan or policy or product provides you, then you're ready to go and compare against the others. And then I think this is where um, people mostly make the biggest mistake is uh, our recommendation is just compare three. So don't try and compare everything in the market because the reality is in most services, there's hundreds, if not thousands of plans. And so don't get trapped into thinking that you're going to find this elusive optimal solution. Um, If you go to a good comparison website, you'll be able to find two other providers. So compare your current plan with two others so that you don't get like overwhelmed. So the evidence says that the more options you compare, the less satisfied you'll actually be. And you're likely to be much better off by doing the exercise more regularly than you are by doing it once and trying to compare everything. So just compare three and that will be enough to get you a better deal. Mm, love that because I think most people who research will probably keep going because there is an endless supply. So that's really great. Thank you for that. It's so easy to get analysis paralysis. Oh, you like, sure. I have to research the whole internet and get the best deal ever. It's like, no, get the best deal for the next 12 months because this will come around, you know, this will expire and then you'll need to do it again. So. Yeah, yeah. And so my next step is um, making the, what we call the keep me call. So often your provider might be able to come to the party with a better deal. If you say, look, this is my usage history or this is, you know, what I've been, this is what I'm getting at the moment. Is there something you can do for me because I'm shopping around? Then sometimes they can offer, you know, a loyalty discount or put you on a better plan or policy that's, you know, fit for purpose. Uh, And then also call around to see if other people have better offers. But at the very least, at least make that keep me call because that's pretty low barrier there yeah the phone just say well I'm thinking of leaving what can you do they might give you a great result and job done but then also call around the others uh, and see what they can offer you and I think that the most important thing is and yeah is to actually then act on what you've decided so not to let it uh, float around in your mind and to mull it over for too much time so um, if you can't decide think about what you might advise a friend because you're actually more likely to give them better advice um, than take the advice yourself and then take action and actually um, deliver on it Um, save that table for use again next time and move on Um, and don't give it another thought Um, just keep going Mm, perfect thank you so uh, the last question in terms of all things life admin hacks is about taking the tedium out of the fun and get admin sorted. So this is all about planning the fun stuff like the holidays and um, and all the fun things in life, which I'm assuming um, is what we well, why we're doing streamlining stream the life admin so we have more time. So... How do we get started with that? Because that, again, can be really overwhelming because I know some people who spend a lot of time researching holidays, et cetera, (laughs) Um, you know, and if that's their fun, fantastic. But if it's not, because it's, again, like, especially in the era we live now, it's just endless, similar to, you know, finding a new supplier. It's just like, it just just never stops. So where where do we get started here? Yeah, one of the things to keep in mind here is, that this stuff, even though it is fun, it is life admin. Mm. So it's interesting when we were researching and, and talking to people while preparing the book, 
they were like, oh, like does, does getting gifts for people, is that life admin? And we were like, hell yes, because yeah. it takes time to remember everyone's birthdays or celebrations and then think about what will they like and then go get the thing and then wrap the thing. Like it's, you know, it doesn't happen automatically. Uh, and often these things can fall to one person in a family. And as those things mount up, it's a, it's a bit of a responsibility. But that's why we wanted to sort of address this idea of taking the tedium away from what what should be joyful and fun events or situations. So, yeah, if you feel feeling a bit sheepish that you're finding it, uh, you know, difficult or feeling like it's a real task to organise your social life or think about how you're celebrating Christmas or your special holidays in your life, then relax because it is work. It is work. And we do have some tips for how it can be a bit more streamlined. And so I think that a lot of the, these tips really come back to those life admin foundations we talked about before. So if you think about having reference lists of like the places you might want to go or um, what is a really big thing in our household is having um, a gift wish list um, for every member of our family so that I can add to things over the year as they mention things and I also have them for my closest friends so that I can easily add to the list as I think of it and then it makes actually um, executing on the gift much easier. Um, thinking about, you know, if you want to plan holidays, thinking about having that schedule and understanding when in the year might be working for your family. And and if you are booking things, using those same principles that come from the book in the, um, in the comparison shopping is don't boil the ocean, go to the right websites, choose a couple of options and pick one knowing that you're never going to find the absolute best hotel or the best resort or, or the best flight. Um, but really using those same principles about understanding what's important to you, comparing a couple and then um, and choosing one and moving on and accepting that, you know, prices will change and it might get cheaper next week, but you have to choose one, make a decision um, and to sort of eliminate some of that analysis paralysis that can actually take the joy out of choosing a restaurant or, or choosing a hotel. And in some of your recent episodes, you know, you've talked about planning ahead for the year and taking a moment to reflect on how you want to spend your time and, and what you want to be doing more of, what you want to be doing less of, who you'd like to be spending more time with. And these kinds of things fuel this fun stuff as well. So when you're planning your social life, you think about, okay, there are some important friendships I'd really like to nurture and I'd, I'd like to prioritise spending time with those people. And you can think about, you know, do I want to spend time with them one-on-one -on -one or as a couple or as a group or as a family? Uh, and then think about things you'd rather be doing. I want to make more time for seeing live music or kayaking or poker or whatever it is that gets you going. Uh, and think about, okay, these are the priorities of my life. So how am I going to plan this into my my weekly or my monthly or my quarterly calendar, whatever time horizon makes sense for you and start building some of that into your, to your everyday planning. So again, I, I'm sure lots of your listeners are doing some of this planning already as part of their, their bigger planning towards their dreams and their goals. Uh, and this really does help out with life admin too. Yeah, absolutely. We can seriously talk forever about this topic. It's so interesting and it's been so helpful. So thank you both so much. I just want to ask a couple of questions that has nothing to do with um, life admin, but maybe it does because maybe you have squeezed in some things there. So I'm interested in uh, if you both have a morning routine and if yes, what is it? So I don't have a fixed routine every day because I'm at the mercy of my teenagers, but <laughs> I do have, um, I guess, a couple of principles. So the two things that are the most important to me in every morning is to do some sort of movement somehow. Um, and every day that looks very different depending on the schedule. And the other one is to drink a very good coffee. Um, mm. And if I do those two things, I find that my day goes much smoother than if I miss one of them. <laughs> Love it. My morning routine, I have. I think since I've had children, I've become a morning person. I, I'm yeah. up early. And now my morning starts with walking the dog. So we're usually out the door sort of 20 past six. And I love this moment because I'm out in nature. It's sort of a mindful moment. I'm doing some movement. And this is when I listen to podcasts. Yeah. A few favourite podcasts that I cycle through. And when I come back from that, I actually sort of set up my food for the day like I'll get out my little supplements I work out what I'm eating I work out what I'm drinking and that's around sort of setting up my environment for success so that when I 
you know, start getting procrastinating at 11 a.m. I'm not wandering into the kitchen just grabbing whatever. There's like I know what I'm eating. And the other thing I do as part of that morning routine is just working out what my major focus is going to be for work. So there'll be one major task I'm going to try and address that day. And I stick that on a sticky note and I put it on my monitor so it's there. Uh, and that kind of that sort of sets me up for the day. Mm, love it, love it, love it. Thank you for for um, sharing that. And the other question I have is, have you got a favorite non-fiction book? And I know it's really hard to choose one, especially if you are a reader. Um, so just choose one that um, that you loved or had most impact uh, on your life. Yeah, this was a really hard question. Mm. In mine, I think I, uh, yeah, so I chose, I would choose probably a different book every day of the week. Today, I chose The Happiness Project by yes. Brett Rubin. He really opened my eyes to the tenets of habit formation and well-being and positive psychology and sort of talks about these pillars of happiness that are around you know, mindfulness and meditation and having meaning and exercise and access to nature and looking at what you're eating and getting enough sleep and you know, that social connection. So now that I sort of know, okay, these are the pillars for well-being, that was just a fundamental learning for me that sort of shaped my life going forward. Um Whenever I'm feeling a bit wobbly, I'm like I look at these different levers of happiness and think, okay, what do I need to pull? Have I have I not been in nature enough? Do I need more sleep? Do I need to go and hang out with my friends? Have I been eating crappily? Like, what is it? Yeah, that's um, been like life changing for me. Yeah, and you know that book, I uh, I actually reread that every year between Christmas and New Year, just because there's something really inspiring about that book and um, she's been on my podcast and um, yeah. and uh, I just love it so um, so thank you for sharing that it had a big impact on me as well yeah. and I'm going to say for me at the moment is one I've read more recently and again I'm a huge reader of non-fiction so um, but it's Think Again by Adam Grant mm. um, I really love the book because it sort of uses storytelling as well as as research to kind of think about how to be curious, um, which I think um, is, I, I think is really important to me in terms of having a sort of growth mindset and continuing to to learn and evolve through our lives. So, I really enjoyed it, and I've listened to it and read it, um, and I'm probably looking to read it again over the summer. So. Oh, fantastic! I haven't read that, so thank you for sharing that. So, I'm definitely going to read that over summer as well. So to finish up, I would love to ask you both, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself, say, when you were in your late teens? <laughs> when, I read, when I thought about this question, I was like, oh, I tell myself to stay friends with Dinah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but more seriously, I would say, this is why it sounds cheesy, but I think, I'm, again, I'm in the right audience here. It's like, hang on to your dreams. They're there for a reason. They're yeah. part of your identity. They are what help make you you. And you can find ways to make them happen. It's not silly to pursue dreams. It's not silly to think about them and have them. It's not wishful thinking. It's not living in la-la land. They're really important. And I love your mission, Christina, that if people can tap into their dreams and actually pursue them, the world would indeed be a better place because people would be living lives of meaning. They'd be following their purpose. They'd be lit up and passionate. And we could all do with more lit up and passionate people um, running the world and, and being around in our community. Mm. So that thank, is what I Yeah, thank you. Great, great advice. And I think mine would be probably a little bit different because I feel like when I was a teenager, I thought success was all about money um, and that I that that was really what I should be aiming for in life. So I'd probably try and encourage teenage me to think about what really makes you happy and what lights you up um, and that isn't actually your bank balance and it's actually about the relationships you have and doing um, things that you enjoy and really try and focus on those because I feel like I spent probably a few too many years in the middle there focusing on, uh, on money and career, which perhaps, um, you know, uh, maybe I could have done slightly differently Mm. 
beautiful tips as well. Thank you so much both for sharing um, your knowledge in the book, which I love and will link up to. And um, we will definitely read in my virtual book club uh, at some stage. But um, I'm really excited that you guys are coming in as our superstar speakers for um, for January in the Dream Life Coaching course because we are going to um, – uh, treat January a little bit different and actually just plan the year and uh, this is something uh, that I'm really passionate about because I think when you have big dreams and goals for the year and if you're not taking the time to plan how you're going to do it um, then it's easy to kind of forget about it and also um, um, we all know how quickly a year go, <laughs> goes so um, so I'm really excited to have you so thank you first for coming on the podcast but also for being our superstar speakers I just cannot wait yeah, absolute pleasure. We can't wait either. Wonderful. Thanks for the conversation. Thank you so much. Wow, I am now bursting of excitement to tackle my own admin things and systemize it all in our high plan my year. Love it, love it, love it. And if you are in my Dream Life Coaching Program, we are very, very lucky as Mia and Dinah are our superstar speakers for January and they are going to hold a special presentation for us. If you want to join the Dream Life Coaching Program and make 2023 your best year ever, please go to yourdreamlifestartshere.com to sign up if you'd like to join us. I am so inspired and excited and I hope you are too. As always, I will be back next week with another episode. So I will see you then.